Hello everyone, welcome to Reiki Radio. I am your host, Yolanda, and today we have a special guest on the episode. His name is Christopher Lee, and I'm going to tell you all about our conversation in just a moment, but first, I want to invite all of you to join us in the Seeker Circle, which is a free community on Facebook. Again, it's called the Seeker Circle, and you can look it up on Facebook or go to my website for more information, which is theenergeticalchemist.com. There are quite a few things that you'll be able to access there. Um, one, you have a beautiful community of people who are practitioners of Reiki and other modalities. But what we have been doing is meeting weekly and having discussions of range of topics, which you will be able to watch the videos of conversations we've had over the last few weeks. But we also had two beautiful community members offer an exchange of distant Reiki, especially in light of all that's going on with so much um, mm, upset going on in the world right now. I mean, people are worried, people are scared, people are, there's just a lot going on. And so it was a beautiful offer of exchanging Reiki for each other. And if you would like to join us in the secret circle again, you are welcome. Now, I think that today's topic, today's episode is also very timely. We have, again, a special guest named Christopher Lee, and he wanted to come and have a conversation about the core of Reiki as he sees it, which is the Gokai. The Reiki Gokai is also known as the principles or the precepts, and we've spoken about the uh, Gokai on the podcast before, but Christopher and I go in-depth, line by line, and I do think it is such a beautiful resource to help us to stop and be reflective and be mindful of if we are being in our practice, even as we interact with the world and move throughout the day, and again, with all that is going on right now. So whether you are a Reiki practitioner or not, I'm sure there is a lot that you can gain from this conversation, a lot that you may want to sit back and consider for yourself. And I want to thank Christopher so much for coming and having this conversation because the Gokai is one of my favorite parts of the system of Reiki. I mean, the truth of the matter is all of the components of Reiki point back to us, our self-healing, our um, self-realization, and I'm so thankful for this beautiful technique. So let me tell you a little bit about Christopher. He is a certified life coach, a Reiki master teacher, and a mindfulness practitioner, and he engages his clients with compassion and wisdom, and he's also a founding partner of the Life Grove Academy, and you can learn more about his work at lifegrove.org. That's lifegrove, G-R-O-V-E, dot org. Now, he also has a personal website, so if you are in Colorado, you can work with him one-on-one, and you can go to his website, which is wildwoodholistic.com. You can also go down to the show description, and the links for all of this will be there. So that is it for now. I hope that this conversation is insightful and supports you throughout this day, and I will see you on the other side. Okay, so welcome to this episode of Reiki Radio. We have a wonderful Aquarian guest today, Christopher, (laughs) who is a soul coach and has become a friend behind the scenes. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Yolanda. Big fan of the show, as you know. Um, I'm just so blessed and, and feel humbled to be on with you today. Oh, I'm so thankful. I've enjoyed the exchanges that we've had behind the scenes. So for me, it's a, it's like a, something fun it feels like to be able to interview you and have the conversation we're going to have Mm, so before we get into it i just want to let everyone know that we are going to be talking about the reiki principles which are also known as the gokai and the precepts and going really in depth around this topic which i love but can you first share with everyone who you are what you do and how did you even come into this work christopher 
Oh, wow. Oh, that, that's a whole bag of cats there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, my name's Christopher Lee, um, and I do uh, go by the moniker of the Soul Coach. It's how I've kind of branded my coaching business. And um, I came into this uh, through kind of a, I guess, the dark night of the soul, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a series of events that happened very quickly in, say, around 2014, 2015, that really kind of woke me up. Yes. Uh, in a very harsh way, <laughs> but, but uh, a necessary one. Um, and I feel like that, that trauma that was induced in those uh, sequences of events uh, allowed me the space to, to heal some things that I, that I wasn't addressing. And uh, I came into Reiki specifically uh, in 2015 to do just that. The funniest part about it, though, uh, that I was just realizing today when I was thinking about this was one of the things I always say when people say, well, what got you into Reiki specifically uh, was at the time my wife was uh, battling with a lot of immune issues. She was mm-hmm. always some sort of respiratory illness, one after the other after the other. And so I was really looking for something because I was like, the, the you know, doctors aren't, aren't fixing it. This isn't this isn't working. We've tried dietary changes. We've tried this, that and the other thing. And <clears throat> I was like. I keep seeing this Reiki thing pop up and I wonder, wonder what that's about. And so I picked up a book and I started learning about it. And then, then I immediately was hooked. The funny part about this is not that she was sick, but, <laughs> but that what my, I, I wasn't willing to at that time state that the, it, I was looking at it, not for her, but for me. Right. And she was just the, the projection of what was really ha- needing to happen behind the scenes. And it was my healing that needed to occur at that time um, in order for us to both to get to the point where we are now, where we're now expecting our first child, which yes. is really awesome. And we never thought that would ever happen. And uh, it's, it's just been one hell of a journey. Yeah. Congratulations on that, by the way, again. Thank you. And I want to ask you um, before we get into our topic, what you just mentioned I've heard this over the last couple of days, and it was very true for me as well, that when that dark night of the soul, when we go through this process, and even as painful as it is, there's something that drives us to just go all in and stick with it. And I'm just curious, was that your experience? And what kind of motivated you even to go through the healing process? Oh, wow. Um, it's interesting because that recently got brought up in another podcast that I was on recently. Um, but there was this, uh, it started with me like this kind of like a soft voice in the back of my head. It was something that I kind of kept putting off and putting off and putting off. And at that time there was a fair amount of substance abuse that I was going through. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I had this like kind of calling in the back of my head that said, this isn't right. This isn't right. And I kept pushing it further and further back, which was causing the dark night of the soul to get darker and darker and darker. And until it finally broke and that voice became just so (laughs) voluminously loud, if you will. Did I just make up a word? Great. (laughs) Um, But it became so loud that there was was nothing else that I could focus on. So for me, once, once the dam broke, there was, there was nothing else that I could do. I had to start seeking. I had to start understanding what this voice was. And for me, it's the, it was the higher self kind of breaking through that wall and saying, no, this is where you need to be. And you've been ignoring it for far too long. Um, this is your purpose. This is why you're here. You're here to help people through this process and, and not through other healing instances. And, and it's something that I had been so deathly afraid of that I, that I'd ignored it to a point to, to where it got so sharp. Like we were talking about it the other day on this podcast that for some of us, this dark night of the soul can come in very softly and mm-hmm. almost pass by. And we don't even know that it occurred. We just are on the other side of it. Um, and for some of us, you know, the more stubborn folks like the Aquarian here, yes. <laughs> um, I had to do it the hard way. I had to get knocked around uh, mentally, spiritually, and even physically, you know, that that was the final event was actually a physical concussion, some contusions from a, a fight that I got into. And that was, that was the final blow really was on the physical level to where I said, I have to wake up and I have to change the way that I'm living. Yeah. And I completely understand same stubborn over here, Aquarian too. And honey, it was, it was rough, but the truth is, you know, I always say how thankful I am for that 
period of time because mm-hmm. I really don't know that I would have gotten it any other way. And mm-hmm. it had to be that extreme for me, I think, to even have like the deep appreciation for this healing process and this ongoing journey the way that I have now. Oh, and, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, it keeps going, but it's just not as drastic as it was <laughs> at that one point. So let's get into what we're going to talk about. Um, I was so excited to hear that this is an important topic for you, the Reiki Gokai, but more specifically, how it can be used for healing, even for people who aren't practitioners of Reiki. Mm -hmm. So can we start with first, why the Gokai, why you feel this resonance to it, and then go into how you think it can support everyone or anyone? Mm, Absolutely. Um, Well, for me, it's the core of all of Reiki, um, whether we focus on the meditative aspect of Reiki or the hands-on healing or, you know, or, or the Gokai, um, I think it's the most essential because without it, we don't know how to function properly within the system. How can you heal somebody if you don't understand the precepts that allow you the space to heal yourself and then, and then go out in the world to heal others. But, um, even deeper than that, it, it grounds us in such a way that, we become almost impervious. It's almost like a spiritual bulletproof shield to the frustrations or the struggles in life. Um, And so for me, I remember reading them for the first time and going, okay, this makes a lot of sense. You know, in my twenties, I studied a lot of the Tao and I studied a lot of Zen Buddhism. And so when I started reading them, I'm like, okay, this seems familiar. Mm -hmm. I understand the concepts, but I wasn't at that time when I was studying it in my twenties ready to get the the full depth of what we're talking about with these simple, you know, five phrases, Um, which of course, you know, there's really six, Six, but, (laughs) (laughs) and, and potentially even more that you can unpack in there. Right. But um, it, it struck me when I first started reading them that this was more than just words. This was, this was a, a plan or a blueprint for how you can live life more effectively. And I think that was the, the whole of Sui's teaching was, was this right here. He goes, all the rest of it is just this kind of like candy or frosting, icing on the cake, if you will. Right. But this right here is what he cared about the most. And that's just, that's of course, again, my own personal gnosis, you know, there's no historicity around that. Yeah. Uh, but when I read it, I feel that that was what he cared about the most. And so I've always been really drawn to it because it shifted my mentality in such a way that all these other things became possible. Oh, you know, it makes me think hearing you say that it's like, what is the practice without the Gokai? You know, it really gives us a very clear framework of um, like a code of ethics in a way, but also being mindful of how we're showing up and how we're being. So it's not mm-hmm. just this laying of hands and that's the end of our spirituality. Like it's really about, I mean, even the symbols, every part of the system of Reiki points back to us. And I think um, in a lot of ways with the ways that it has been taught, it's very much externalized. Like how do we use it just for other people and missing that part of the, the self. So I'm so curious to ask you, do you mind if we go line by line and just Talk a little bit about what each principle means to you and how you think it really can support everyone, again, regardless if they're a practitioner or not. Oh, absolutely. I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> and I think, you know, just, just something you said there was really awesome. They allow us to not practice Reiki, but to be Reiki. Yes. And I think that's incredibly important because without them, then we can't take this into the other parts of our lives. You know, we can have somebody on the table and we can be Reiki for an hour, but what happens the rest of the day? Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say too, and that's part of why I was so excited that this is the particular conversation you wanted to have, because that's what excites me about this. I think the principles in a lot of ways have been mirrors for me and really keep me accountable to my practice. So Mm. let's go with the, just for today. How does that strike you? <laughs> well, first off, it's, it's all about presence. Yes. Um, this present moment is a gift and, and that may be a cliche these days, but for me, it is poignantly clear in, in every moment. Um, and it didn't used to be. And I mm-hmm. think that's why it's so important to me and why the Gokai have meant so much is being an intellectual the way that I am 
my mind is always in a million different places, right? right? And and I struggled with that for a long time, whether I was dealing with regret or shame or guilt over something that happened or frustration about something that happened in the past and rerunning that over and over again. How can I how can I fix this? How can I make this better? Or worrying, you know, intensely about what's happening in the future. How am I going to get this done? How is this going to change? What's my legacy going to be? What are, what are all the things that I'm going to want to accomplish? How am I going to do these things? There's this constant, like, barrage of yes. thoughts. And all the while, I had missed so much that was going on in my life. So many beautiful, mindful moments that I could have tapped into and so just for today is, is all about that. It's a, it's a calling home to this present moment and allowing us the invitation. And that, you know, that's part of it too, the secret art of inviting happiness or inviting blessings. This is the invitation that starts it all out. It says, come back home. Come back home to this moment. This is all we really have. And it's fleeting, but it's intensely magical, intensely beautiful. And and without that, I don't think that any part of the process of Reiki can function properly without oh. that invitation home. Yes. No, that is such a good one. And I'm smiling as you're saying it because I think that's one of the ones that so many of us struggle with is mm. being present, especially when we live in a day and age where, you know, everyone's on their phones. We're like, what's next? What's going on? Everything <laughs> is outside of us, Absolutely. right? We're like inundated with information and how be present. What? Um, and one of the things with this one in particular, I had to learn how to, to observe the moment and appreciate it. You know, it's like one of those things I had mm. to learn how to train myself to say, like, enjoy in this exchange with Christopher Lee right now. That's it. Absolutely. That's all that matters is this right, you know. Um, yeah, so it's actually one of my favorites. Well, and there's also uh, one thing that I found that's just fascinating about it. It's also an encoded message for understanding that the breath is the vehicle to do that. Uh. And, and without, without the breathing or, or, you know, just a simple breath, we can't access the present moment. That is like the most powerful way to access the present moment is just to stop everything else. Deep breath in, deep breath out. And without that, I don't know how you can channel for somebody else. Right. Uh, It's, it's, it's amazing. Three words, super impactful, super powerful. If only just that was the only message. <laughs> I mean, how powerful would that be if that was enough you know, for everybody? Yes. Or if if we could just get that, you know? Right. I mean, we could spend a lifetime studying that piece alone, right? I mean, because mm-hmm. it is. It's a daily. It's a. It's a practice. You know, <laughs> moment to what breath to breath, really, right? But it, I think it also speaks to that beauty of just being. Mm. in connection with ourselves, you know, which also is one of those things nowadays, it's easy to be so distracted and disconnected from just being. Mm-hmm. So and yeah, I, I totally agree. Just being. And it's amazing how this line ties into each one of the others. Yes. And there's a reason why sometimes you see it, you know, where it's just for today in front of everyone of the other precepts right. that come after, because it's the, it's the master key to unlocking the entire system. And, and another part about just for today is the allowance of compassion to embrace yourself in the moment that you fail, to realize that, okay, so I messed up today and I'm probably going to mess up again today, mm-hmm. but I can take a breath and I can restart and I'll probably mess up again and I'll probably mess up again. But it's the allowance, the compassion to embrace ourselves and say, I can start over right, right now with a new breath. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. It's funny because when you're describing how you connect to this particular one, you've mentioned the ones that follow as well. So Mm. let's go on and being free from anger and how that has impacted you and how we can all learn from that simple principle or um, precept as well. Mm, Absolutely. This is the one that I still struggle with the most. I'll be quite honest. (laughs) It's only number two, right? Um, (laughs) But uh, for me, it's all about that frustration that you feel that things aren't exactly going your way. Um, and, and what this has really taught me is that it doesn't have to go my way. Mm. Um, anger tends to me uh, to be focused on the past. So if we're focusing on the past, we're again, we're disregarding precept number one. We're not living just for today. Right. right. So for me, uh, it always shows up as a teacher. 
so instead of me getting frustrated and casting a second dart, I've seen the second dart in many teachings, whether it's Don Miguel Ruiz Toltec teachings or, or certain Buddhist uh, tenets. We tend to have this um, reaction that when we get frustrated, we tend to punish ourselves for being frustrated. Yeah. So we cast the second dart of anger and then it becomes this vicious cycle. And that is one of the things that I struggled with the most was, well, I don't want to be angry. And so I would get angry that I was angry right? instead of listening to what anger is or what frustration is in this case is a teacher. It's reminding you in that moment that you're not where you're supposed to be. You're living in this moment in the past and you keep running it over and over in your head instead of, being where you should be, you know, be here now, as Ram Das would say. Yeah. That one is really interesting to me too. One of the things that stood out to me, what you said is I was mad that things weren't my way. And that tends to be it, right? I mean, as simple as that, we're mad that things aren't our way, frustrated that it's not our way, whatever that may be. Um, mm-hmm. I think with this one, one of the, it taught me to be more observant of myself. So I had to really start paying attention to when I was triggered and angry, I had to identify what it even meant for me to be angry. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I had to question what I was even really mad about. <laughs> so, mm. And it was funny because as I, even now, continue to work with this one, it's sometimes kind of comical about, really? That's what you're mad about? Like, get it together, yeah. you know? So it's, it's really interesting, the, the self-reflection that comes from working with these precepts. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's an opportunity mm-hmm. it's a portal, if you will, to address whatever it is that's frustrating you right. and to test the validity of that frustration. Right. Because what we have happening here is there's a thought that causes an emotional response and then that creates an action or a behavior. And then that behavior creates another thought and then it becomes this vicious cycle. If we don't address the thought at the beginning, Yes. The thought at the beginning, is it real? Does this hold any truth? Is there validity to the reason why I'm having this emotional response? See, the emotion isn't bad. And I think anger gets a bad rap because mm-hmm. if we don't deal with it properly, it can become somewhat you know, perverted and, and, and very detrimental um, on an energetic level of, and even a physical level. I feel it on a, a very intense scale whenever it comes up. And so I've had to develop this relationship with it, wherein I use it as a teacher, where it's saying, hey, it's tapping me on the shoulder. Pay attention. Yeah. (laughs) This isn't something that you need to be focusing on. I love that idea of that, just seeing it as a teacher. And it's funny, this one is one that became a mantra for me when I was driving. So when people would cut me off, Mm-hmm. I'd have to really, oh, just for today, <laughs> be free from anger. But there was an, an additional portion to that that helped me that I uh, learned from a Buddhist Lama. And she told us when something like that happens, also keep in mind, like just the simplicity of may all beings make it safely to where they're going. Like, you don't know why someone's mm. driving erratically. They may have gotten you know, an emergency phone call, whatever. You have no idea what's going on with people, right? So, but let's not go down that rabbit hole. Let's go (laughs) on to be free from worry. Okay. Again, this is one that, uh, that I struggled with. Um, I don't struggle with it as much anymore. Um, and so I, I feel like it's probably going to rear its head here pretty soon, you know, with the baby <laughs> on the way, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but uh, worry for me, uh, releasing worry is how I like to say it, uh, letting it go. Mm-hmm. Um, I know everybody has their own very specific and almost personal way that they relate to the Gokai. And I encourage all my students that I teach to kind of create their own version based on, you know, what, what there is available out there. Yeah. And, and for me, it's about releasing worry because worry is so attachment-based. We're so attached to a specific outcome. And this, this goes back to getting our way, right? Yes. We put so much time and energy into this plan, this blueprint, and we're going to have this beautiful future. And if, if everything goes our way, then we are going to be happy. Well, it's not necessarily the case. It's not necessarily true, is it? And so it's important in this phase to realize that that worry 
first of all, it doesn't really help us at all. I don't know a time that worry made anybody's life more uh, effective or better in any way, shape or form. So unlike anger, I feel like worry isn't necessarily a teacher. I mean, you could utilize it the same way when you find yourself worrying and go, okay, what's the lesson to be learned here? But maybe it's just my own personal relationship with worry. Worry has this attachment level that anger doesn't. Anger has a little bit more of a fleeting nature to it in my own experience, whereas worry has like stickier fingers, if you will, likes to Mm -hmm. hang on. And even if you take it off, it has a tendency to grab on again. Right. And so um, it's, 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 again, it's, it's more future based, but it's, it's a recognition that we're not in the present moment. So it's getting us back to level one again. Okay. If you're worried, go back to level one and start again. Yeah. It's funny you say have your students um, connect with it in a personal way. That's something I think is so important too. And I even have a free download that people get. It's called 22 Days of Transformation. And the first Mm -hmm. six days is just that. It's looking at the Gokai one by one, each line, and going into your own self-observation of how do these things show up in my life. So with worry, it's funny when you say – yeah, not a teacher. This one for me has been, again, I have to be reflective and questioning. So really mm-hmm. looking at what is worrying me and why. What, what am I even worried about? And then Absolutely. thinking, is there a solution to this? Do I need to do something differently? Or am I worried because I'm attached to some fear? There's always some fear attached to the worry. So then it's like, mm-hmm. how can I dissect that? Is it something I have to let go of because maybe there's nothing that I can do or should do, or maybe I just need to act differently, whatever it is, right? Um, Again, it brings us right back into the self-reflection, which I think is very cool. Well, yeah, and and, and to add on to that, um, we limit ourselves when we worry. We limit the possibilities. Um, Because we're so attached to a specific outcome, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to see the outcomes that the universe is going to bring to us. So this is like very heavy into like law of attraction. And if you're, if you're super fixed on a very specific outcome, you're going to miss what might even be a better path for you. Right. And so this is another teaching that that branches off and, and you can, you can take just this worry part, like, 15 different paths and, and understand so much more. This is why I love the Gokai so intensely is, is it six phrases and yet you can multiply them, you know, yes. ad, <laughs> ad infinitum yeah. <laughs> and learn. It's amazing in that way. And so we have to go into, this is like a great segue into the one that seems so easy, but even people struggle with being grateful. Mm. Yeah. Christopher, come on, hit me with it. What does that even bring up for you? Oh, and, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so gratitude. You know what? This goes right back to just for today. Can you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so gratitude is something that I'm really big on. Um, and, and I wasn't always. Um, I, was, I was very future-based in my youth um, and not necessarily focused on what I didn't have in the past because my past was pretty pretty nice. I had a very beautiful childhood. I didn't, didn't really want for anything. Not that my parents were, were wealthy, uh, cause yeah. we were, you know, family wasn't, but there was love. Yeah. There was always love. And so I was grateful for that in my past, but my future, I looked ahead as a young man and I said, I want more. And that came with a whole nother set of issues mm-hmm. that, you know, that I've, I've had to since let go and realize that gratitude isn't about things and it isn't about what we gain. It's about accepting what we are and what we have in this present moment. Right. And it's, again, it's a call back home, a call back to the present moment and an opportunity to look at everything through a different lens. Yes. Because each thing uh, automatically what we do is, humans is we assign judgment to any given thing we go good bad yep. good evil <laughs> it's this polar opposite this duality that we tend to deal with on a day in day out basis and gratitude is that doorway to a middle path a middle road where we can see it for what it is and be okay with what it is yes and not let it affect us 
even though it is, you know, we're going to come up against things that we don't like and that's okay. But if we can get to a place where we've accessed the present moment, we've put aside our anger, we've put aside our worry, we can look at things with new eyes and see them for what they are and start to appreciate the beauty in that specific event, occurrence, or thing. Right. And yeah. each, each one, no matter how you know, yucky it may feel, ha- is an opportunity to learn something new, to grow, and to expand. No, totally. And I love that you say that even bringing up the point of seeing things from a different lens, because I think that's a key to all of this work is really being mindful of our perspective, because that's what determines our truth, really, and feeds into our experience, how we're seeing things. But with the being grateful, that is a huge teacher in perspective, because I think we tend to think we're only meant to be thankful for the things that are good and things Mm -hmm. that feel good and the things that are shiny and lovely. Right. But in this healing process, I mean, you really do come to find so much gratitude for the toughest challenges that you become faced with because you see how they support your growth. You see how they start to help you with your perspective. They help Mm -hmm. you releasing your attachments the universe will punch you in the face, but it is for a benefit, right? So you start to see um, just how grateful and gracious we can be beyond what we think is good, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and and that's the challenge. Mm -hmm. That is the challenge. It's easy to be grateful for the good things. It's it's the easy road. And happiness itself, you know... the the self-help industry is is full of let's find happiness right, right. But the truth of the matter is happiness is is very fleeting and and it's not necessarily what we're looking for right um in my opinion i think that what we're really looking for is fulfillment and that can only come about through growth and growth is painful and so i've had to reframe the way that i look at things and show so much more gratitude for the things that really hurt the things that force me to expand the things that scare me mm-hmm. the things that make me challenged and that come up and the and the things that trigger me because yeah. that's the opportunity for me to become better and not necessarily better in the like you know i'm leveling up yeah but for me to understand more for me to have more connection and connectivity to the world so that it's not just me on this island yeah Wait, Christopher, it's me in I, relation to everything else. I have to ask you this because this did happen for me because of how drastic it felt going through my dark night and how much felt like was being stripped away from me. Mm. I became so thankful for the little thing. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point where you become thankful for breath, period. Oh, like yes. I'm thankful that I am just breathing right now, Right. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the gifts of this work is it really does um, bring it down to like base level of what to be thankful for, like just your existence alone, Mm -hmm. you know, and not again, attaching it to things or games. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and and what we're talking about here is again, we're going back to that dark night of the soul, right? Right. Right. Uh, I like to uh, use the metaphor of a storm. You know, the dark night of the soul isn't necessarily just like this darkness. It's this giant hurricane of a storm. And what it's doing is it's tearing away. It's rending and ripping away the things that are not you. Right. The things that are in the way of this transformation. And at the end of it, what you realize is that you are just the breath. So it's, it's amazing that you bring that up because it strips away all of the fallacies, all of the things that we believe, the masks, the personas yes. that we employ and it shows us who we really are and so i am exceptionally grateful for that which was the most trying time in my life yes because it made me who i am today and it exposed me to what i could become instead of the very limited versions that existed at that time well i think that's a perfect segue into this next principle about being diligent and I just want to point out for especially Reiki practitioners listening, there are so many variations on how mm. these principles are expressed. So I've heard this one as be diligent and um, I can't think of the other ways right now, but essentially being diligent in your practice. So mm. how does this one translate for you and how has it shown up in your life? 
Well, first I'll, I'll give everybody out there what I usually say for this one. And it's usually somewhere along the lines, cause I always play with it. Uh, it depends on what feels good that day, but um, it would be for me like in this present moment, I will embrace on uh, honesty and authenticity mm-hmm. or I will be my most honest version of myself or my most authentic version of myself, because that's really what our great work is. So he's talking here about the diligence in your work, right? It doesn't mean what you do at your job, although mm-hmm. it does incorporate that. It means your work as you, mm-hmm. that purpose, that sacred divine purpose that you are here for. And so that is about uncovering who this person is. Who is this individual manifestation of the divine? Now, we all have our containers, our bodies that we have to work with, and the personalities and all the, all the attachments that go with that. But it's about being as authentic as we can be right. with ourselves and being honest with what work we have to do. Because yes. if we aren't uncovering the, the, the yucky stuff, the trauma, the gritty stuff, that we don't want to face and that's okay that we don't want to face it that's part of the process but without this part this authentic authenticity without this part we can't really be the people that we put on the mask you know for we can't be this light worker reiki guru for everybody else if we're not willing to do that same shadow work that we're asking them to do yes yeah i I, as you were saying that, it reminded me of the other translation, which also can be do your work honestly, or, or even to live honestly, right? And um, this one for me, once it was, it's been explained to me a few different ways by different teachers, but ultimately what it comes down to for me is being diligent in my practice. And there's one that I love, one of my teachers, he, Franz, he speaks about this one, Gyo Hayame. And he says, be true to your way, but he means like, be true to your way, like the, the pure essence of you, right? Like being Mm. true to that mm, true nature of who we are and how we're being. So this one, I, I love so much because I think it does again, like I've said for all of them, it holds that mirror for us. Mm. We all say, a lot of us say, not all, we, a lot of us say, we want to be spiritual, whatever that means, or we want to wake up, whatever that means, right? We say we want to be the best versions of ourselves. And I think this one reminds us of, but what are you doing about it? <laughs> like uh-huh. you're the only one that can actually live into that or try or attempt or follow the ones that came before this particular one. Like, are you doing that? Right. So yeah, it, I like this one as like a check-in of like, okay, turn your head back. Are you doing those other ones? Like where are you uh-huh. at? Yeah. It is, it is a call back to the practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like to look at it that way. And this one becomes super multifaceted. The deeper you get into the Gokai, there's, there's more ways to look at them. Yeah. Um, it's also an opportunity. And I love Franz, by the way. Absolutely. Yeah, I love, love him. I, he's taught me so much just in, in, in reading his work. And, and it really is like this kind of like this extra level, a new key every yeah. time I read his work. And, and his episode here with you was just absolutely illuminating. But this essence that he's talking about, for me, it's, it's not necessarily even something that we have to work on, too. We have to mm-hmm. remember that. Sometimes it's just a remembrance yeah. of what we've already done and what we already are. Sometimes we get caught up in, I have to keep pushing forward. We have this linear idea of, of I got to get better and, and more spiritual and, and all these things. Instead of just remembering that we're already there just for today, it comes back yes. to number one, this present moment. There isn't a future. There isn't a past. There's only this moment, this very fleeting moment, wherein we can realize that we've already done it. We're already there. Yeah. It's funny because when you say that, um, that we don't necessarily have to do anything, just remember, it goes back to what you were saying about the dark night and like this undoing. And like mm-hmm. that undoing is just revealing to us what has always been there. But another thing you just said about pushing ahead, it makes me think of exactly what you said. It's not a linear process, but randomly what came to mind is tarot and the major arcana where mm-hmm. you could look at it as a progression, but you know, it's like you take two steps ahead, then there's like this retraction or falling apart just to go for it again. And I think that's a beautiful um, uh, metaphor for our work because a lot of people I think feel like they messed up or they're doing something wrong, 
if they have that forward movement, then all of a sudden get kicked back on their butt for a moment. Right. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just remembering it's a, it's a process and it isn't linear. It is. And it's, you know, it's, 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 uh, it resounds in the symbol Chokure as well. The spiral we build up and we retract. Yes. You know, there's, there's this method of expansion and contraction and that's part of the whole spiritual growth is that we accumulate all these things, these tools, these tarot cards, these Oracle decks, uh, all these wonderful things that help build up this, this new facade that we then have to tear down again in order to, get to the next level, you know, and, and, and even that's not even, it's almost like it's not levels as much as it is deepening. Yeah. If you will. And it's really cool too. And like, like that you brought up the symbols because they also point to the same things as even the precepts, but maybe you'll come Mm -hmm. back and we'll talk about that another time. So, (laughs) um, kindness, the final precept. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and I always phrase this one, I will walk in the light of compassion. Ooh, okay. Um, You know, that's the, that's the bardic poet in me, I guess. I have to, I have to make everything sound poetic because that just makes it, (laughs) it kind of drives it home for me on this like subconscious level. And it's because it, for me, I know this is the most difficult one for everybody. You know, if just for today was hard, wow, showing compassion for everybody Mm -hmm. around is going to be very difficult because we exist in this land of separation. where we don't understand on some fundamental level that we are connected to everything and that there really is not a huge difference, if any at all. I like to use the metaphor of the wave coming out of the ocean. Even though you can see the definition of the wave, it eventually returns and it never loses its connectivity to the ocean itself. And that's what we are as individual people or manifestations. And knowing that, and knowing it is one thing being like, Oh, I know, you know, science tells me quantum mechanics tells me, or, you know, there's always this connection between you and me and everybody else, but putting into practice, God, is it hard? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it, it comes from a misunderstanding about what we're supposed to do. I think because compassion as a word seems to be misunderstand, uh, misunderstood by most people. It's not about pity or, or, or even, even really empathy, I think it's, it's very confused. Yes. It's an understanding that that person suffers and that because they suffer, you suffer. And if we can get to a point, and, and this is kind of like a bodhisattva thing, we, we exist until everybody else has reached a point where they're no longer suffering. And that's what the call is. And I think that's definitely what Usui was, was thinking, you know, when he brought this up, this idea of, can you put yourself in such a place of service that everybody else passes that finish line before you? And that is an incredibly difficult task. And one that, it, that not everybody I think is, is super capable of. I think that everybody will be capable of it eventually, you know, at some point down the line or at some point in their life. And again, this is, it goes back to just for today. Can I do it in this moment? And if I mess up, can I bring myself back? to the moment and approach the next occurrence of the divine, whoever that person is. I may have yelled at that guy who cut me off, but when I get to this cash register today to pay for something, if something goes wrong, I'm going to realize that this is another human being or this is another, you know, even an animal. Uh, It doesn't matter what the manifestation is. How do I embrace it as if it is to me? Well, I love that you say or connect this with compassion because I've never heard it translated that way, but of course it makes perfect sense. And the way that I say it in my practice is uh, I'm kind to myself and all living things because we often forget to be mm-hmm. kind to ourselves. But Absolutely. it's but the interesting part of this, especially with you saying the compassion component, <laughs> is how this one also helps us to understand our judgments, you know, mm-hmm. because it's like what prevents you from being kind? And the only time we tend to not be kind to each other is when we are in judgment. We're in judgment, we're in fear, mm-hmm. we're just something outside of love and compassion, right? Mm-hmm. So anything outside of love and compassion, then yeah, you're probably not going to be acting in kindness. And it's, it's just amazing how these six simple lines can help us to reprogram, re-understand, trans, um, what do you, transform, that was the word I was looking mm-hmm. for, transform so much of us. And now 
kind of bringing it all in, obviously, like you're onto something beautiful here in the whole knowing that these principles alone could help support healing for anyone, mm -hmm. regardless of any other part of the practice. Well, yeah, and I, and I want to say this too. It's not necessarily even, the, the hardest part is not being nice and kind and having compassion for everyone else. The hardest part is doing it for you. Really embracing yourself. Yes. Because, and if you can do that, well, then you've unlocked the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> I mean, that is, that's the whole enchilada. Yes. No, it is so, so true. And that too, like if, if we're thinking about how are we not being kind to ourselves, again, we're going to see this illumination of, all of these judgments and self-criticism and oh my goodness, all the layers we have to work through. So now that we've gone through this and hopefully everyone listening, your thoughts, light bulbs are going off of how these principles show up in your own life. I want to ask you, Christopher, are you um, sharing this work in some format where people can connect with you to go mm -hmm. deeper with the principles? Are you teaching Reiki classes? I know you're the soul coach. Tell us about what you do and how we can work with you. Oh, well, okay. Well, do you have another two hours? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, I have my own personal practice uh, called Wildwood Holistic. Ooh. And that's where I do uh, work here locally in Denver, Colorado. And I, I, you know, the soul coach is, is my moniker, you know, at least on the great inter interwebs, yes. if you will. Uh, but um, I, I perform uh, life coaching, holistic life coaching, uh, Reiki master uh, teaching is, is where my main focus is, although I do work on some level with, with healing um, and, and, and meditation. So those are, those are my main things that I do with my practice here in Denver. So if you're a Denver listener, come on out, uh, <laughs> find me at Wildwood holistic.com and you can schedule a session with me locally and I do some digital uh, component there as well but my big project right now is uh, Life Grove and what Life Grove is is uh, basically a hub for holistic education uh, helping people to transcend their current situation of suffering and it's formed by me and three other partners we have a master social worker we have a law of attraction coach and we have an oracular medium uh she is just she is fabulous as well as myself and uh along with the articles that you can find and the practitioner services you can find on lifegrove.org okay we also have the lifegrove academy org where we have a lot of online courses we do a weekly seminar on facebook a live seminar on facebook where we talk about a specific topic and everybody's invited to those and to watch them for free and we have various uh free and and pay for online courses at life grove academy including one of mine which is a free course on gratitude which is basically a course to get you hyped up about being alive because it's a miracle that you're even here Right. And we have some law of attraction courses and we'll be rolling out a ton more work there as well in the, you know, in the next few months, uh, we're growing at an alarming rate. We just started this thing like six months ago at, <laughs> and we're already growing exponentially. Um, and you can find me at either of those, um, as well as, uh, various social media platforms, uh, soul coach LG at Instagram. And, uh, I, I can't remember what my Twitter handle is at this point. <laughs> changed so much in the last year but if you just type in christopher lee you should be able to find me fairly easily all right but life grove is my main thing right now <laughs> life grove yeah so definitely go to facebook and check out life grove the live events and then also life grove academy to take the courses but for anyone listening don't worry of course all of these links will be in the show description so <laughs> don't scramble you can just click in the comments the... people just like writing things down furiously <laughs> At least, at least that's what I hope, right? Yes, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's really exciting. And anyone who listens to the podcast knows, like, this is what I love. It's so exciting to know that these conversations are growing and our community mm. as a whole is growing. Absolutely. I think it really speaks to how collectively we are um, wanting to wake up and heal and transform and do things differently. So, you know, while the news, we could see all that. Um, is challenging in the world at this time. I, it's not so much advertised, you know, on a big scale of the other side of the coin of how many people are doing this work <laughs> and mm -hmm. what's going on in such a positive way. So I'm excited and I can't wait to have everyone check out Life Grove. If you're in Denver, obviously check out Christopher Lee. 
and we'll have everything in the show description. Absolutely. And, you know, just to, to resound off of you there, the challenging times that we're in, uh, while they may seem super daunting, there's a balance that's naturally occurring. Yeah. And that's what this awakening is on our side. This awakening is happening in a, as a direct response to the other yes. side and vice versa. And right. so it's, it's about being diligent in our work and understanding that, that it's up to us. It's our responsibility to provide that counterbalance. Oh, honey, it comes right back to the principles. <laughs> it <all laughs> always comes, does. Everything. Yes, always comes right back to the Gokai. And I, I have to say, I'm so thankful, too, for this conversation because it's so timely. Like, you know, there's a lot going on that people are freaking out in the world with today. And so mm -hmm. um, if you want to, uh, you know, connect with the Gokai, again, go check out Christopher Lee. I'll even put the principles down in the show description so that you all can really meditate on these things and let us know what you think. So thank you so much for coming to talk to me today, Christopher. You were the best. Thank you for having me on. This was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Bye for now. Thank you. Okay, I want to say thank you again to Christopher. I really enjoyed our conversation. And for all of you listening, don't forget you can learn more about Christopher and his work at lifegrove.org or visit him at wildwoodholistic.com. You can go down into the show description for the links for his websites. And I also want to remind you to go to my website, theenergeticalchemist.com, to sign up for my newsletter, and you can access 22 Days of Transformation. So again, whether you are a Reiki practitioner or not, you can use this um, guided journey, is really what it is, to help support you in how to become more observant of yourself. But as I mentioned in the show, the first six days of the 22 days is all about the Reiki Gokai. So it can also help you to understand these principles or precepts in a deeper way. So I hope that you all got something from this conversation. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to rate it, leave a review on Apple Podcast. I appreciate it. And no matter where you are, sending love to all of you. And remember to always journey in love.